and you are tuned into Canadian Patriot Radio. Welcome, my friends. We got lots to talk about today. We are going to focus on kind of the mandates. We got a really interesting timeline to go through from Rocco Gelati's uh, newest case in BC. Uh, we got a great vid that we're going to go through that... Um, basically highlights all the most prominent doctors and what they're telling us about these jobs. But first, what we're going to do in the pre-show is we're going to highlight the newest, or not the newest, but one of the newest uh, Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms fights. And this one is very applicable to everybody right now. Uh, I've got some friends going through this currently that I am talking to at this very moment. Um, and this title reads... Students denied education will sue Seneca College over vaccine mandate. Here we go. Posted on August 24th, 2021. Toronto. The Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms represents two students who are not permitted to return to Seneca College's campus in September unless they receive vaccinations intended for the prevention of COVID-19. Miss Mariana Costa is enrolled in a three-year fashion arts program and she only has two semesters left. Ms. Chris, uh, Ms. Crystal Love is enrolled in a two-year veterinary technician program. Both students are anticipated to complete their programs and begin their new careers in April 2022. Seneca's college's president, David Agnew, sent the students a notice by email on June 18, 2021, advising them of the new vaccination requirement. The Justice Center wrote a letter on behalf of Ms. Costa and Ms. Love, in July, advising the college that if they did not lift the vaccine requirements for the two students, legal action would commence. Those letters never received a response. Mr. Agnew recently wrote a column in the Toronto Star where he stated, now is the time to make it crystal clear that some doors will open to the vaccinated and some will remain closed to the unvaccinated. Neither Ms. Costa nor Ms. Love can fully complete their programs online which will leave them struggling to deal with student loan payments in the long term as it'll make it as it will take them longer to earn income to begin to pay them back. Ms. Love is a single mother who has been working hard to be able to better provide for her children, and both women are anxious to finish their programs to be able to begin their new careers. The Supreme Court of Canada has held that the charter applies to the actions of colleges in Canada 
and the charter protects these students' rights of conscious privacy to life, liberty, and security of the person. A court may also find that the vaccine mandates discriminate against the unvaccinated and are a violation of their equality rights. The students were also not provided with all of the known potential risks associated with the COVID-19 vaccinations, such as Bell's palsy, myocarditis, pericarditis, and thrombosis, prior to being informed that they would need them to be able to complete their education. There are currently Health Canada warning labels for these conditions for the Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson vaccines. There is scientific evidence that these vaccines do not stop transmission. Therefore, the post-secondary education vaccine mandates will not achieve the goals of preventing the spread of COVID-19. In Iceland, where approximately 75% of the population has been fully vaccinated and over 90% of people over the age of 16 have had at least one shot, that country's chief epidemiologist recently stated that herd immunity from vaccination has not and cannot be achieved, as the Delta variant can be contracted easily even by those who are vaccinated and spread to others. This reality echoes a report from the Centre for Disease Control from a July 2021 outbreak in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, where 469 COVID cases were identified among residents who had traveled there and 74% occurred in fully vaccinated persons. Of the five hospitalized cases, four were fully vaccinated. Further, according to the CDC, as of August 19, 2021, fully vaccinated people with a breakthrough infection produced the same high amount of virus as unvaccinated people, and both groups can spread the virus to others. Natural immunity to COVID-19 has been proven to be very robust and long-lasting. In Israel, where approximately 60% of the population is fully immunized against COVID, data presented to the Israeli health minister revealed that coronavirus patients who received, who recovered from the virus were far less likely to become infected during the latest wave of the pandemic that people who, um, than people who were vaccinated against COVID. The Justice Centre is preparing a lawsuit against Seneca College on behalf of these students and intends to aggressively defend their charter rights. Seneca's policy is not only unconstitutional, but also not science or evidence-based, as the CDC has admitted that fully vaccinated people with breakthrough infections carry high viral loads and can spread the the disease to others, notes Justice Centre staff lawyer Alison Pajovic. The use of coercive and intimidating tactics in threatening to destroy students' education and career prospects if they do not submit and receive a new COVID-19 vaccine is unethical and unlawful, adds Ms. Pedrovic. We will fiercely defend these women and their rights to bodily integrity and the freedom to choose what medical treatment they undertake without the fear of being denied their education. In a free country, individuals are entitled to choose what they inject into their own bodies. Bam! There's the first one that we've been waiting for, my friends. And it looks like it's really, really going to slap this college in the face. I absolutely love it. Seneca College, I hope you're the first to burn! Burn, baby! Woo! Sorry, everybody, but I've been waiting for this. For those of you that listen to the show, you knew damn well we called this probably six to eight months ago that we would start seeing class actions if they tried to mandate this stuff, and we are in it. We are in it now, and I hope it happens to every business, every institution, any any place at all that it intends to go down this mandate vaccine road. 
I hope you get your fucking asses sued off and you can get completely sued out of existence. <laughs> We're swearing in the pre-show again, my friends. Oh, I absolutely love it. I love it. Anyway, let's get this show started, my friends. We'll be right back. Welcome, friends, to Canadian Patriot Radio, where conspiracy is not theory and political corruption finds the spotlight. CPR, we are committed to upholding Canadians' God-given rights to life, liberty, and freedom with all thy sons. Command. Alright, welcome back my friends. What I want to do next is I want to revisit an article that we've actually gone through before. <clears throat> but it um, it has set major precedent. Um, the fact that there are therapeutics out there that work um, completely destroys the entire vaccine narrative. And uh, it, it can be such a tool for anybody that is going to be fighting these um, unconstitutional mandates on any level. Uh, because this is the key, along with the fact that any provincial or federal government, the federal government of Canada can't produce a purified sample of the COVID, uh, SARS-CoV-2 virus. Um, that's huge too. We know that. But this is the other one. The fact that there are therapeutics that work uh, at every level as a prophylaxis, as early early stage treatment, and then advanced treatments, uh, there are, there are pro, uh, therapeutics for each level of infection destroys the entire vaccine narrative we do not need vaccines we've never needed vaccines there are treatments now let's uh, go back through this article just to kind of hit this one home the desert review brings us this next article and the title reads ivermectin wins in court again for human rights this was written by justice our hope a medical doctor and it was written on april 21st 2021 <coughs> excuse me one dose of ivermectin was all it took to get 81-year-old John Swanson off the ventilator. 
John's wife, Sandra, could not believe it. His story is remarkably similar to other cases of patients who were on their way out with advanced COVID-19, but saved when ivermectin was added. Ralph Loringo is the lawyer who has now won three court orders forcing New York hospitals to administer ivermectin to dying patients. Incredibly, these three hospitals and their lawyers fought against the patients, arguing they did not have the right to receive the drug despite a valid prescription written by their doctors. In essence, the the argument was that they did not have the right to try a potentially life-saving medication. In each of the three cases, the New York State Supreme Court justices sided with the patient. And in each of the three cases, the patients made near-miraculous recoveries after the ivermectin was given. In each case, these patients were in intensive care units on ventilators, unable to breathe on their own. And universally, after the drug was given, they rapidly improved and were able to breathe on their own. Judah Smith Smithkiewicz made national news in January when her family hired Loringo after the hospital refused a fourth, fourth dose of ivermectin. Smithkiewicz son uh smith miss what a name smith kenowitz's son uh, and daughter called ivermectin a miracle drug in court papers attorney loringo and his associate john f miniar reported the lady was on a ventilator literally on her deathbed before she was given this drug as far as we're concerned the judge's order saved the woman's life the family of glenna sue dickinson happened to see a newspaper article of judith's remarkable story and they decided to try ivermectin as well Sue Dickinson, 65, contracted COVID-19 on January 7, 2021. She, suffers, uh, she suffered progressive worsening and was admitted to Rochester General Hospital on January 12. She continued to worsen and was placed on a ventilator on January 17. The hospital staff advised that, uh, advised that her chances of survival were about 40%. With nothing to lose, Natalie Kingdollar, Dickinson's daughter, reached out to their family doctor, Tom Majeski, who wrote the prescription. The hospital refused to give Sue the ivermectin. The legal team of Loringo and Maniar d- drafted an affidavit from Dr. Majeski and sought an injunction. <clears throat> State Supreme Court Justice Frank Caruso ordered the hospital to provide the ivermectin. Dickinson, like Swanson and Smith Kennewitz, came off the ventilator and improved as well. The family reported on Facebook that she's making progress each day and it's ivermectin and God making this happen. She has since been released from the hospital. Ivermectin is widely used by physicians as there are now 51 studies from around the world with 50 showing clear benefits and one showing neutral. However, that lone study showing a neutral effect was roundly criticized as flawed in an open letter signed by a group of 120 physicians. Experts worldwide have called for the global and systematic use of Ivermectin to prevent and treat COVID-19. Physicians have recently written about a profit motive by regulatory agencies and big pharma to block cheap, safe, and effective treatments like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine in favor of experimental and perhaps dangerous and arguably less effective vaccines and medicines like remdesivir. With remdesivir costing about $3,100 per dose and not reducing deaths, the choice of ivermectin is a no-brainer, says many doctors. Ivermectin costs about $2 per dose, and it's safer than Tylenol Tylenol or most vitamins, says Dr. Pierre Corey of the FLCCC Alliance, a group of expert physicians promoting access to information through a non-profit organization. 
Dr. Corey and Mr. Loringo have teamed up to help other hospitalized patients gain access to the life-saving drug. Dr. Fre- uh, Dr. Fred Wagshule, a Yale-educated physician, is a pulmonary specialist and directs lung, the Lung Center of America. He is also a founding member of the FLCCC Alliance. <clears throat> Dr. Wagshule notes that the typical dose for hospitalized patients is 0.3 milligrams of ivermectin per kg of body weight for four days, which works out to about <clears throat> nine milligram tablets daily for four days in a typical 200 pound patient. Dr. George Farid, former Harvard professor, advocates combination therapy of ivermectin with hydroxychloroquine in outpatient cases. For the benefit of the uh, of physician readers, the specific specific doses are provided in this link. So they even give you the doses. Like I love I love alternative media. Like they just every they hold they hold themselves accountable by giving you the links. It's just so great. The big problem, you, and just stepping out for one more second, the big problem with the mainstream media is that you don't see that. You just get opinion pieces. They don't call it opinion pieces. They claim it's news, but they always have, they cite a third party source or, or an anonymous source says. It's so stupid. People still fall for it. It drives me absolutely nuts. <clears throat> the big problem is that inf- uh, information promoting ivermectin is often censored or silenced as quickly as it's provided. Facebook, Reddit, Change.org, YouTube, and others have recently taken down posts on ivermectin citing violation, violations of community standards. Physicians who employ good judgment and scientific studies are considered violators, as well as those who publish factual accounts of ivermectin-based recovery stories. A recent article exposed the link between large pharmaceutical corporations and government regulatory agencies who have financial entanglements entanglements, and massive conflicts of interest. The disinformation campaign is evident with the publication of articles attempting to cast ivermectin in a false light referring to it as an animal dewormer that might be a bad idea for humans to use. In reality, many drugs are common in both human and animals for treatment, including antibiotics, antifungals, and antiparasitic agents. Ampicillin, a form of penicillin, has been widely used to treat infections in children like whooping cough, salmonella, and meningitis. It has been routinely used to treat adults for bronchitis, pneumonia, and rheumatoid heart disease. It is also consistently employed in veterinary applications to treat calves, cattle, dogs, and cats. You would never see an article attempting to smear ampicillin as an animal drug and warn people against taking it. However, we see this propaganda daily trying to influence the general public against ivermectin, a life-saving drug that has been prescribed daily and in billions of doses over the past 40 years for a parasitic disease. Dr. Satoshi Amaru won the 2015 Nobel Prize in Medicine for his discoveries leading to the development of ivermectin. In his praise for ivermectin and its potential to help the COVID-19 pandemic, Dr. Amaru recently compared ivermectin to penicillin, one of the greatest discoveries of the 20th century. Currently, ivermectin has been adopted by 25% of the world's countries to prevent and treat COVID-19. Bangladesh, where ivermectin is broadly used in almost every home, enjoys a 99% lower per capita death rate from COVID-19 than the U.S. Bangladesh, with 160 million inhabitants, has half the U.S. population. However, it has merely 10,000 COVID deaths. Contrast that with nearly 580,000 U.S. deaths in our country of 327 million. 
However, censorship, corruption, hospital lawyers, and disinformation campaigns have continued to stand in the way of its widespread acceptance in the United States. Many have never even heard of it. Ivermectin recently won in court in South Africa after a protracted legal battle. Ralph Loringo has now won his third state Supreme Court injunction in New York. Will legal strategies also be required in the U.S. to gain FDA, FDA approval for ivermectin to treat COVID-19? Dr. Tess Laurie has entered this David versus Goliath battle. She is now an independent research consultant for the WHO, and her work has consistently been used to underpin international clinic practice guidelines. In other words, she has been one of, one of the go-to scientists on which the WHO bases their recommendations. She has established a nonprofit organization to promote worldwide approval and adopting of ivermectin for COVID-19. We owe it to ourselves as human beings to support this work. We owe it to the future generations who need medical truth, not corruption, to guide our public health policy. We owe it to the principle of basic human rights. Signed, Justice Our Hope, Medical Doctor. <clears throat> <clears throat> So now you see why I wanted to revisit that because it's just it's just more applicable now than ever. Um, the vaccine narrative was destroyed before it ever got going. The only reason it's still going is you have a corrupted mainstream media that refuses to report on this. That's it. And then people that just go along, like people that are still munching up the mainstream media narrative. I was in an argument today with a local Muppet basically telling me that I was promoting horse paste. <laughs> so what? So then I referred her to uh, a guy in New Brunswick that has actually been self-treating with ivermectin horse paste after, uh, uh, to treat his, <coughs> excuse me, to treat his um, adverse vaccine uh, effects that he's been getting fr from, his uh, from the uh, Pfizer vaccine. So he's one of the poor people that now has tremors uh, he can barely walk. He's, he's, he's basically bedridden and he's tremoring all the time. And so what is his doctors basically ignored him and tried to tell him that it has nothing to do with the vaccine. He's been reading stuff online. He goes out, he finds ivermectin in a horse paste. Not, not the, the method I would recommend, but whatever. And he, he basically takes a dab of it every morning and it stops his tremors or gets him to a controllable level. So not only is uh, ivermectin applicable for just a prophylaxis or treatment of COVID, it is also applicable in treating the adverse effects of these death shots. It's working for people even in this application. We have actual written documented proof that it's working to treat adverse effects of the COVID-19 vaccines. So, of course, they don't want you to, to, to know any of this at all. All right, my friends, now let's turn our attention to how heavily vaccinated countries are doing. And, of course, we're going to go to Israel because it is basically the um, postmark example country because they're high, high, high vaccination rate. Now, this article comes to us from Al Jazeera, and I'm actually surprised that I've never actually used Al Jazeera before. Now, I find uh, Middle Eastern news to be way more truthful than North American news. <clears throat> but I guess most of the time what we're doing is making fun of the, the North American media on the show. <laughs> we, like to, uh, we like to take their articles, pick them apart, and show everybody how stupid they really are. But if you actually want some truth, Al Jazeera is a fairly good source. Um, Okay, now this title reads, Is Israel struggles with, COVID uh, struggles with COVID surge despite mass vaccinations? This is written by Orly Halpern on August 23rd, 2021. 
West Jerusalem, Israel. In the 32 degree Celsius heat of an Israeli summer, parents and children waited, some patiently for, uh, and some less so, in a line outside a testing station for their children's turn to receive a newly approved Sophia COVID-19 test. Some had plans to go to a water park, others to a museum, and others just out to eat. But the children, aged 3 to 12, needed to get a coronavirus test first to do so. Pay attention to Israel, because this is all coming here. All of it. <clears throat> As of August 20th, green passes are required to enter restaurants, public pools, museums, or any other public place besides parks. The pass is issued to people who have, be- who have received two vaccine doses or who have recovered from coronavirus. But unlike in the past, children who are not eligible to get vaccinated must have the pass too. It's hard, says, it's hard, says Shira Elkin, who winced when she had to pin down her frightened and crying four-year-old to allow the medic to take a swab sample from inside her nose. But I understand that it's important and I'm ready to make the effort. <clears throat> the results of the, of the fast test come in 15 minutes, but they are only good for 24 hours and some parents have found themselves waiting in line for more than an hour and doing so uh, for consecutive consecutive days since the requirement went into effect. If they make us do this every day, I'll pull my hair out, says Tamar Cohen, who waited with her husband and two young daughters. It's ridiculous. We can't wait in line every day. The requirement is the latest and most draconian move the Israeli government government's battle against the Delta variant. Uh, which is which has hit Israel hard. The fast spread of the variant caused, uh, caught Israel by surprise. Israel was was one of the first countries to vaccinate the majority of its population by March. Most Israelis were already putting COVID nineteen behind them. By June, the mandatory mask requir- requirement was completely dropped, and the only restrictions that remained concerned the entry and exit from the country. Now the rate of infection has risen to 5.4% and Prime Minister Na- uh, Naftali Bennett has said he will take every action possible to lower the rate and avoid going to a fourth lockdown. Health experts say there are two main reasons the Delta variant hit Israel so hard. For one, Israelis were flouting the mask requirements which were reimposed at the end of June. Now police are handing out fines to those who do not wear face coverings. The other reason given for the high rate of infection is that most Israelis were vaccinated with the Pfizer vaccine, which data shows is less effective than the Moderna jab against the virus. Do you see where this is going? Do you see where this is going? Uh, We're sorry, everybody, that got the Pfizer jab. Um, What we're going to need you to do now is just sign up and get that Moderna jab because it's more effective against the Delta variant. I can see it. It's stupid. And people are going to eat it up. (laughs) You know, there's people in Canada that got two shots of AstraZeneca. And now because they can't travel, they've got two shots of Pfizer as well. And they're waiting on their travel jab. So they're going to have five shots total just to get out of the country. Like, holy fuck. I I cannot believe the level of indoctrination and just hypnotism in these people. To just keep going in and get jab after jab after jab of experimental. I don't care if the FDA approved it. For me, it's going to be experimental for the next 10 plus years. Because that's what it takes for a long-term effect study. I could give two fucks if the FDA was bought off by Pfizer or Moderna or whoever they approve next with this shit. It's always going to be experimental. Until, what, 2032 is when I might call it safe, but by then it's probably going to have killed 
a billion people, if not more. <laughs> Look at the numbers already. Oh boy, let's carry on with this article. It's true that Moderna has, has better protected people from infection, but the two vaccines are almost equivalent in effectiveness against severe disease, says Professor Cyril Cohen, Vice Dean of Life Sciences at Bar Ilhan University and a member of the Health Ministry's Coronavirus Vaccine Advisory Board. It is important so that our hospitals won't be overwhelmed. In addition to requiring testing for children and anyone not fully vaccinated, <clears throat> Israel will require all teachers to have a green pass to work. Israel has also imposed stricter guidelines regarding entry into the country. Foreigners are not allowed to enter without receiving a special permit and taking numerous tests. Israelis are not al allowed to fly to red countries such as Spain, Brazil, and Mexico without a permit from a special committee. Those already in red countries, as well as Israelis in orange countries, such as the U.S., France, and Germany, must go into quarantine upon return to Israel, even if they were vaccinated. Moreover, the country began offering a booster vaccine for residents age 60 and above, even before the government approved it. Since, the Israel, uh, since then, Israel has approved giving the booster to everyone age 40 and above. <clears throat> if you were to ask me two months ago when we had only 100 cases per day, I would have said we don't need to go with a booster, said Professor Cohen. But in the meantime, we moved from 100 cases a day to 8,000 cases a day, and I won't be surprised in a couple more days if we see more than 10,000. We have had no choice but to give a booster shot. I would have preferred more data, but I think we made the right call. Let's just step out for a minute. You've got two doses already of the exact same vaccine that is failing miserably. So you're going to put all, you're going to double down on a third dose? This, th these are people in, on advisory boards for COVID-19 making these calls? Can I just sit back and go like, what the fuck for a second? Have, have we not seen or been exposed to the fact that these so-called high profile doctors in very powerful p positions are actually fucking retarded? Like what, what, what is the logic here besides insanity? And you guys know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Like we're watching insanity f unfold in real time all over the world with people that call themselves authorities and experts. Someone needs to backhand these stupid motherfuckers. Unfucking believable. And a yes, it's another one of those shows where I am going to be cussing like a madman or a sailor or whatever you choose. <laughs> but hey, we're passionate here at CPR, so I guess hopefully you enjoy it. <laughs> More than 1.3 million Israelis out of a population of 9.3 million have received three doses of Pfizer so far. But there have been breakthroughs. Some people have, come, have become infected with coronavirus despite receiving three shots. Should we just reread that entire paragraph again, my friends, so we can focus on the insanity coupled with stupidity? Let's do that. More than 1.3 million Israelis out of a population of 9.3 million have received three doses of Pfizer so far, but there have been breakthroughs. Some people have become infected with coronavirus despite having received three shots. <laughs> I just don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I, I'm, I'm... Let's just carry on. The third jab has raised ethical concerns. 
Tedros Ananom Gabrisis, the director general of the World Health Organization, organization has urged rich countries, including Israel, to send the doses to poor countries that cannot provide even a first vaccine to their citizens. Oh, Tedros Ananom Gabrisis has ethical concerns. Isn't this the guy that was like in charge of like uh, <clears throat> genocide in specific African countries? He's got ethical concerns over people getting a third dose. Who cares? <clears throat> like, I just don't know what to say. In neighboring occupied Palestine, only 9.2% of the population has been fully vaccinated, while in Israel, 60.1% has received at least two jabs. In an opinion piece in the Haaretz Daily, Dr. Zonar Letterman, an, an Israeli biothesist, uh, and an intern at the Corona Emergency Room on Rambam Hospital. Rambam Hospital. That's wicked. <laughs> if you had to go to a hospital in Israel, make sure you go to Rambam. Suggested Israelis solve the moral dilemma by donating $5, the price of one vaccine, to Gavi.org. The process takes exactly one minute and it may save a life, he wrote. Holy fuck. What, the f what are we reading, my friends? <laughs> I just gotta, I gotta laugh at the logic. Like, okay then, let's carry on. Meanwhile, about 1 million eligible Israelis age 12 and above have not been vaccinated even once. People who oppose vaccinations in the country are vocal and sometimes violently so. Good. Not the violence, but I, I'm very happy about the vocal part. Someone called me Hitler today on social media, said Professor Cohen who posts videos and tries to explain what is happening in, in Israel to convince Israelis to get vaccinated. One person opposed to coronavirus, uh, coronavirus vaccines told him, we will all die because we got vaccinated, and now we won't have to fight to take our land because we will all be dead, and the country will be served to the Palestinians on a platter, Cohen recounted. Well, it's naturally their country, so maybe you should just shut the fuck up. <laughs> Oh man, maybe I shouldn't have said that. That could open the floodgate because that's that's a that's a hot button issue for people. You're either with Israel or you're with the Palestinians. But honest to God, uh, you know Israel wasn't a country until 1946, right? So, and the Palestinians were naturally there. So, if you really want to get into like North American arguments when it comes to Native Canadians and Native Americans. Uh, are technically not the Palestinians the native Israelis? Or pff, isn't Palestine the actual original country? Like in Canada, it's Canada, right? <clears throat> I mean, we could just plug in the exact same thought pattern to that. But anyway, <clears throat> the key takeaway of this article, even though it actually highlighted idiots, was the fact that you've got people now with three injections <laughs> getting sick from COVID. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. <laughs> but I just, you know, the best part about watching Israel is it's it's going to spread all over the world. And we're going to see people here. We already know there's people getting three injections here just to travel. But I mean, they're going to get sick with COVID-19. Wonder what the fuck. And we're all going to be sitting back laughing like this. Because we're going to be fine. Okay, so on that topic, now I know three people that have had the Delta variant. Three people in my personal that are I'm, I'm uh, acquainted with quite well. And all three have survived. It knocks you down. Yes, it's going to knock you down. It's, it's like getting the flu. So this this woo, this boogeyman new, new variant. Oh boy. 
Yeah, you're going to get sick, but you're going to get over it, especially if you're unvaccinated. <laughs> so, uh, and, and I should note that all three of these people were completely unvaccinated. All three made recoveries. Uh, they're fine. Uh, all three, mind you, should take this note too. All three were self-treating with ivermectin. There's a key takeaway in that in there in there that you need to pay attention to. So they got over the Delta variant. Yes, it took a bit longer than COVID-19 because uh, you guys can probably remember I was telling you I was giving you firsthand accounts of people uh, bouncing back from the original strand within 48 hours. Well, even with ivermectin, the Delta variant takes uh, up to weeks to to recover from. But the people that were on, these three people that I'm thinking of particularly that were on ivermectin, <clears throat> it didn't really infect their lungs. And that's where actually it, it gets most people. Uh, all three of these people have one thing in common. It actually just fatigued the shit out of them and kind of screwed up their guts. Um, <clears throat> so if you can keep it out, away from your lungs and heart and circulatory system, you're going to survive it. You're going to feel like absolute crap. And attribute ivermectin for that, for keeping it out of there. It kept it out of their vitals and they didn't end up in the, well, one ended up in the hospital, but he recovered. But the other two didn't even end up in hospital. <clears throat> So there you go. But uh, now what do we want to do, my friends? Um, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do this video next, this eight-minute video. And uh, I'm not going to jump in. You're going to hear voices that sound familiar. Like, these are all the doctors we've been listening to from the very beginning. And, it, and the uh, video is titled, titled, The Narrative is Crumbling. Why they planned this, I don't know. And I don't even think I want to know. This system is being put in place using lies, and it's being put in place using lies for some purpose, and I believe that purpose is complete totalitarian control. And I think the purpose of that is going to be mass depopulation. One of our problems here is the assumption that this is like every other vaccine right. we've ever yeah. seen, and it's not. It's the greatest experiment that has ever been performed in the history of medicine, and it's being performed on human beings. It's just an incredible thought. So all of this started to come together, and we started to get kind of a sick feeling in our stomachs that, wait a minute, this is science gone bad here. None of this is supposed to be happening. The CDC has never otherwise explained these deaths, and they are so tightly related to the vaccine. 50% of healthcare providers are absolutely not getting this injection. We don't trust the data. The Fox guarded the hen house. The companies did their own data. There were no independent observer groups. You should disregard all announcements about case rates in your community because they're completely fraudulent. The very inventor of the PCR test, Nobel Prize winner Kerry Mullis, said this test in itself is not a diagnosis. And with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody. But they said we're being pressured in-house to add COVID to the diagnostic list when we think it has nothing to do with the actual cause of death. As a physician, I received an email last week from the Department of Health coaching me on how to fill out death certificates. It's another level now uh, of criminality. There's a lot of other doctors who's, who Where feel the they? same way. Well, they're too frightened to speak up. And as soon as that happens, a notification, and you're in, in the front of the medical board. Dr. Robert Malone is a vaccine expert. He is the inventor of mRNA technology. He's undergone systematic attack. His history is literally being erased online. These fact-checking groups, for example, factcheck.org, they're funded by an organization that holds over $1.8 billion of stock 
in a vaccine company. Once I was censored, I feel like I've kind of gone into this other world and now I'm surrounded by people that, that it's kind of normal to have their work talked about in a strange way. Sent me there to cover the COVID treatments at that hospital. I just wasn't supposed to ask that question. The viewers are being deceived by a carefully crafted narrative. They are trying to push a narrative that is not based on the decades of immunology. Nobody's in the hospital. How is that possible in a medical pandemic? That's fake news, that's why. <laughs> People have turned to Facebook to share their stories and experiences, with one group reaching almost 65,000 members. It was removed overnight for no apparent reason. The, the victims of this vaccine, they're not being able to tell their story. The censoring has been going on for well over a year. It's well documented. It's unequivocal. TikTok is taking down all of my sounds so that you guys can't hear my story. The Great Barrington Declaration, authored and signed by three of the world's leading experts in epidemiology, infectious diseases, and vaccines. We've got to the point where scientists such as yourselves need to kind of gather for uh, secret meetings in, uh, in houses to come out with declarations of dissent. Are you of the same opinion? I don't think I can answer that question. Why not? Anyone who speaks out against this line of policy is, is shut down. I basically have to be in line with the government line. Do you want your physicians and scientists, their voices suppressed? We're polarized right now. We're polarized. And, and threaten investigation and discipline for any physicians who express any of the negative aspects of any of these interventions, uh, no matter what the evidence says. The disgrace! You're not the first doctor I've heard from maybe got unusual visits from the state or, you know, basically got a lot of pushback. You have to realize the number of doctors and scientists who are saying no to all this outnumbers those who say yes. And if this is the mountain, if this is the hill where I get nailed on, I will get nailed on it. I don't care. You can report me to the board, you can kill me, you can do whatever, but I'm not going to let Americans die. 75 years ago, Herman Gehring testified at the Nuremberg trial, and he was asked, how did you make the German people go along with all this? And he said, it's an easy thing. The only thing a government needs to make people into slaves is fear. You can do this in a Nazi regime. You can do it in a socialist regime. You can do it in a communist regime. You can do it in a monarchy and a democracy. We, the Germans, are asking this question how it happens in the 1930s. And a lot of people are now getting a sense how it happened. We're held hostage to more and more mutations that can be used to manipulate us over and over again and take away our freedoms. We've used these tactics in other countries to manipulate, divide and conquer. Now we're watching our own government and our own military use them against us. Men of our unit and our service believe that we're putting our weapons in the wrong direction. This time now the tyranny is against us and our people and we can't see it because it's on our home soil where it's never been before. We need to start looking at ourselves as officers and thinking is what I'm doing right. You don't get to just say, I'm following orders. And if that costs you your job, so be it. At least you'll be able to look at yourself in the mirror at night. They start enforcing the communist state through the vaccine passport. Please, Australia, do not move to any goalpost the second you do. They start to build the fascist state. In Australia, people have had it too good for too long. And they see these communist countries and they think, there's no way that could happen here. We are the most locked down country in the world. There's over 50,000 people in the world!
massive protest. You know, the media said it was only three and a half thousand people. What we saw today were three and a half thousand very selfish bullheads. The mainstream media is never, ever, ever going to be on our side because they are owned and controlled by the very people we are fighting against. They've identified that area as being a really strong area. Strong men, strong morals, strong customs. You are the toughest. You have the strongest family community connections, religious connections. You guys are unbreakable. And they know that if they target and break you first, it makes it easier for them to break the rest of us. Stand the fuck up. Don't be the reason why our future generations look back and think, where the heck were they? This is the time. There is not going to be another time unless we shake this down. Pretty powerful words. It's just uh, talking about a uh, national rally for peace and freedom for human rights. Civil, Civil disobedience becomes a sacred duty when a state becomes lawless or corrupt. Gandhi. So the video covered pretty much all the top doctors. You probably recognized some of the voices in that clip. Um, <clears throat> very powerful message, and it's it's what we've got to take to heart. All, I know all of these, all of you listeners are uh, already doing your part, but it's just, it needs to be sp- uh, spread and shared like wildfire. Um, <clears throat> even the Even the vaccinated are not down. You know, you can see it in your threads on any social media platform. The vaccinated aren't down with these vaccine passports some are some are completely you know they're just going to go along with it they are the uh you know we're starting to see uh who the people are you saw that quote who would hide Anne frank and who would have turned her in you know who they are they were clearly evident before you always had hunch hunches you know snitch hunches about these people they you know who they are so what do we want to do next um I, what I want to do, this is going to maybe take us over the hour, but we're going to do it anyway. There is in the Rocco Galanti um, uh, lawsuit against the BC government, there is, the, it's called The Facts. It's on page 85 of the lawsuit, and it goes through a COVID-19 timeline. This is extremely long, but we're going to try and get through it in the remainder of the show here. Um, In 2000, Bill Gates steps down as Microsoft CEO and creates the Gates Foundation and along with other partners launched the Global Alliance for Vaccine and Immunization, Gavi. The Gates Foundation has given Gavi approximately $4.1 billion. Gates has further lobbied other organizations organizations such as the World Economic Forum and governments to to donate to Gavi, including Canada and its current Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who has donated over $1 billion to Gates Gavi. In 2002, scientists engage in gain-of-function research that seeks to generate viruses with properties that do not exist in nature and to alter pathogen uh, <clears throat> alter a pathogen to make it more transmissible to humans or deadly. In November 2002, China's uh, Guangdong province reports its first case of atypical pneumonia, later labeled as SARS, 
In the same month, at, uh, at the University of North Carolina, Ralph Barrick announced the creation of a synthetic clone of a mouse coronavirus. On October 28, 2003, the Barrick Group at UNC announced a synthetic recreation of the SARS virus. In 2005, research demonstrates that uh, chloroquine is a potential inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and transmission. It was deemed safe a safe drug by the WHO in 1979, except in high doses. <clears throat> From 2009 to present, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation donates millions to the Imperial College of London, ICL, and further funded the debunked modeling of Neil Ferguson at the ICL that set the COVID-19 pandemic declaration in motion and acceleration through the WHO and governments around the globe following suit. <clears throat> in January 2010, Bill Gates pledges $10 billion in funding for the World Health Organization and announces the Decade of Vaccines. In fact, Bill Gates and Gavi are the second and third largest funders of the WHO after the U.S. government under the president, presidency of President Trump. The USA, through its president, cut off funding to the WHO for loss of confidence in it. Various other countries have also expelled the WHO on allegations of corruption, attempted bribery of its officials, and lack of confidence. In May 2010, the Rockefeller Foundation writes a report later leaked unintentionally from within the organization with a study of a future pandemic scenario where an unknown virus escapes and a hypothetical scenario on what the appropriate response would be and its core scenario entitled How to Secure Global Governance in a Pandemic. The plaintiff's state, and the fact is, the scenario scripted in this May 2010 report is what, is, is what has unfolded during the COVID-19 so-called pandemic. Key takeaway, that paragraph right there, my friends. <clears throat> In 2010, a review of the, of the literature by the British Columbia Centre for Disease Control to evaluate the effectiveness of social distancing measures such as school closures, travel restrictions, and restrictions on mass, mass gatherings to address an influenza pandemic concluded that such drastic restrictions are not economically feasible and are predicted to delay viral spread but not impact overall morbidity. In May 2012, the 104 members states of the World Health Assembly endorse the Global Vaccine Action Plan, GVAP, or GVAP, led by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in collaboration with Gavi and the World Health Organization. In 2014, under President Obama, the National Institute of Health halts federal funding for gain-of-function research. The funding hiatus applies to 21 studies reasonably anticipated to confer attributes to influenza, MERS or SARS viruses such <clears throat> that the virus would have enhanced pathogenicity and or transmissibility in mammals via the respiratory route. NIH later allows 10 of the studies to resume. In 2015, NIAID awards a, a five-year $3.7 million grant to conduct gain-of-function studies on the risk of bat coronavirus emergence. 10% of the award goes to the Wuhan China Institute of Virology. In January 2015, at a public appearance, Gates states, we are taking things that are genetically modified organisms and we are injecting them into little kids' arms. We just shoot them right into the vein. In 2018, the World Economic Forum puts forward a proposal for future vaccine passports. In 2018, <clears throat> 
In 2017, Dr. Mark Lipstitch of the Harvard School of Public Health tells the New York Times that a type of gain of function uh, that a type of gain of function experiments endorsed by Dr. Fauci Nyad have done almost nothing to improve our preparedness for pandemics and yet risk creating an accidental pandemic. In 2019, Nyad awards awards a six-year renewal grant of $3.7 million to EcoHealth Alliance and the Wuhan Institute of Virology to continue their gain-of-function studies on bat coronaviruses. At the January 2019 World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, on January 23, 2019, on a CNBC interview, Bill Gates boasts that he expects to have a 20-fold return on his $10 billion vaccine investment within the next few decades. British and French researchers published a, a study May 5, 2020, estimating that COVID-19 could have started as early as of October 6, 2019. On October 18th through 27th, 2019, Wuhan, China hosts the Military World Games held every four years where more than 9,000 athletes from 100 countries compete. The telecom systems for the Athletes Village are powered with 5G technology, so showcasing its infrastructure and techno uh, technological prowess. On October 18, 2019, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, and the Job John Hopkins Center for Health Security convene an invitation-only tabletop exercise called Event 201 to map out the response to a hypothetical global coronavirus pandemic. In November December 2019, general practitioners in northern Italy start noticing a strange pneumonia. On December 2nd and 3rd 2019, vaccine scientists attending the WHO's Global Vaccine Safety Summit confirm major problems with vaccine safety around the world. On December 3rd 2019, at the Globe Vaccine Study Summit, Summit in Geneva, Switzerland, Professor Heidi Larson, MA, PhD, Director of the Vaccine Safety Project, stated, I think that one of our biggest challenges is, as Bob said this morning or yesterday, we're in a unique position in human history where we've shifted the human population to vaccine-induced, uh, to vaccine-induced, to de dependency on vaccine-induced immunity, and that's on the great assumption that populations would cooperate. And for many years, people lined up the six vaccines people, uh, people were there. They saw the reason. <clears throat> we're in a very fragile state now. We have developed a world that is dependent on vaccinations. We have no choice but to make that effort. Truly shocking statements in some of these, in some of these people, you know, that come out of some of these people. It's unbelievable. <clears throat> they admit it all. They admit it all. They're on their record admitting it all. On December 18th, 2019, researchers at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, uh, MIT, report the development of a novel way to record a patient's vaccine vaccination history by using smartphone-readable nanocrystals called quantum dots embedded in the skin using microneedles. In short, a vaccine chip embedded in the body. This works and research. Uh, uh, this work and research are funded by Bill and Melinda Gates. On December 31st, 2019, Chinese officials informed the WHO about a cluster of mysterious pneumonia cases. Later, the South Chinese Morning Post reports that it can trace the first case back to November 17th, 2019. On January 7th, 2020, Chinese authorities formally identify a novel coronavirus. On January 11th, China records its first death attributed to the new coronavirus. On January 20th, 2020, the first U.S. coronavirus case is reported in Washington state. On January 23rd, 
2020, Xi Zing Li releases a paper reporting that the new coronavirus uh, COVID-19 is 96 identi- uh, 96% identical to the strain that her lab isolated from bats in 2013, but never publicized. On January 30th, 2020, the WHO declares the, declares the new coronavirus a global health emergency. In January 2020, a study of U.S. military personnel confirms that those who received an influenza vaccine had increased susceptibility to coronavirus infection. On February 5th, 2020, Bill and Melinda Gates announced $100 million in funding for coronavirus vaccine research and treatment efforts. On February 11th, 2020, the WHO gives the virus its its name, COVID-19. On February 28, 2020, the WHO states that most people will have mild symptoms from SARS-CoV-2 infection and get better without needing any special care. On February 28, 2020, the WHO announces that more than 20 vaccines are in development globally. On February 28, 2020, the WHO states our greatest enemy right now is not the virus itself. It's fear, rumors, and stigma. On March 5th, 2020, Dr. Peter Hotez of Baylor College told a U.S. Congressional Committee that coronavirus vaccines have always had a unique potential safety problem, a kind of paradoxical immune enhancement phenomenon. On March 11th, 2020, the WHO declares COVID-19 a pandemic. On March 16th, 2020, Neil Ferguson of the Imperial College London specific advisor to the UK government publishes his computer simulations warning that there will be over 2 million COVID-19 deaths in the US unless the country adopts intensive and socially disruptive measures. Imperial College London receives funding from Bill and Melinda Gates. On March 16, 2020, Dr. Anthony Fauci tells Americans that they must be prepared to take drastic steps and hunker down significantly to slow the coronavirus spread. On March 16th, NIAD launches a phase one trial in 45 healthy adults of the mRNA-1273 COVID-19 coronavirus vaccine co-developed by NIAID and Moderna Incorporated. The trial skips the customary steps of testing the vaccine in animal models prior to proceeding to human trials. On March 17th, 2020, Prime Minister Trudeau asked for lockdown measures under the Federal Quarantine Act banning travel. On March 18th, 2020, British Columbia declares its emergency under the Emergency Programs Act. On March 19th, 2020, the statutes of of COVID-19 in the United Kingdom is downgraded. COVID-19 is no longer considered a high-consequence infectious disease. The Advisory Committee on Dangerous Pathogens in the UK is also of the opinion COVID-19 should no longer be classified as a high-consequence infectious disease. On March 20th, 2020, documents in three countries outline government's policy on coronavirus was going to use applied uh, psychology in order to ramp up fear in the population in order to get the population to adhere more closely to the government's policy over the response to coronavirus. On March 24th, 2020, global medical experts declare that efforts to contain the virus through self-isolation measures would negatively impact population immunity, maintain a high proportion of susceptible individuals in the population, prolong the outbreak, putting more lives at risk, damage our economy and mental stability and health of the more vulnerable. On March 24th, 2020, Professor Peter Goetsch issues a statement, the coronavirus mass panic is not justified. On March 24th, 2020, Bill Gates announces funding for a company that will blanket Earth with 1 billion in video surveillance satellites. 
On March 26, 2020, Microsoft announces it's acquiring Affirm Networks, foc- uh, Affirm Networks focused on 5G and edge computing. On March 26, 2020, Dr. Fauci publishes an editorial in the New England Journal of Medicine stating that the overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 may ultimately be more akin to those of severe seasonal influenza, with a case fatality rate of perhaps 0.1%. On March 30th, 2020, Dr. J. Ryan, Executive Director of Health Emergencies Program at the World Health Organization, publicly stated during a press conference that, at the moment, in the most in most parts of the world, due to the lockdown, most of the transmission that is actually happening in many countries now is happening in the household at at family level. In some senses, transmission has been taken off the streets and pushed back into family units. Now we need to go and look in families to find those people who may be sick and remove them and isolate them to uh, in a safe, dignified manner. March 30th, 2020, Dr. Teresa Tam states, It is not clear that masks actually help prevent infections and may increase the risk for those wearing them. On April 2nd, 2020, Bill Gates states that coronavirus vaccine is the only thing that will allow us to return to normal. In April 2020, a review of the scientific literature conducted by Dennis Rancourt, PhD, with regards to the use of masking concluded there is no scientific evidence to substantiate the effectiveness of masking of the general public to prevent infection and transmission. On April 6, 2020, German epidemiologist Nut Witkowski released a statement warning that artificially suppressing the virus among low-risk people like school children may increase the number of new infections as it keeps this virus circulating much longer than it normally would. On April 6, 2020, Dr. Anthony Fauci states, I hope we don't have so many people infected that we actually have herd immunity. Holy cow. <clears throat> On April 9th, 2020, Canadian public health officials stated, In a best-case scenario, Canada's total COVID-19 deaths can range from 11,000 to 22,000. And in the bed scenario, deaths go well over 300,000. As of May 21st, 2020, total reported deaths from COVID-19 in Canada were 6,145. The number of deaths attributed to COVID-19, as in line with the typical year's Yearly seasonal viral respiratory illnesses, illness deaths in Canada. However, the COVID death numbers are inflated because, uh, based on the parameters dictated by the WHO, to list a death as COVID uh, as a COVID death, namely anyone who has the COVID nineteen at the time of death, death, regardless of whether another clear primary cause of death is evident apart from the simple presence of the COVID nineteen virus. On April 10th, 2020, John Carpre, president of the Justice Centre for Constitutional Freedoms in Canada, stated there is reason to conclude that the government's response to the virus is deadlier than the the disease itself. On April 15th, 2020, Bill Gates pledges another $150 million to coronavirus vaccine development and other measures. He states there are 7 billion people on the planet we are going to need to vaccinate nearly everyone. On April 18th, 2020, U.S. News reports coronavirus tests are ineffective due to lab contamination at the EDC and the CDC's violation of its manufacturing standards. On April 24, 2020, the Ontario government took the extraordinary step to release a database to police with a list of everyone who has tested positive for COVID-19 in the province. Holy cow! 
On April 30th, 2020, Bill, uh, Bill Gates writes that the world will be able to go back to the way things were when almost every person on the planet has been vaccinated against coronavirus. Gates also states that governments will need to expedite their uh, usual drug approval process in order to deliver the vaccine to over 7 billion people quickly. On May 5th, 2020, Neil Ferguson resigns from the UK government scientific advisory group for emergencies after flouting and breaking his own uh, social distancing rules. On May 6th, 2020, an anonymous software engineer, ex-Google, pronounces Neil Ferguson's COVID-19 computer model un unusable for scientific purposes. In fact, Ferguson's COVID-19 model has been a laughingstock and a debacle. On May 11, 2020, UK Chief Medical Officer Whitey, Whitty, <laughs> states that COVID-19 is, is harmless to the vast majority. On May 14, 2020, Microsoft announces that it's acquiring UK-based MetaSwitch networks to expand its Azure 5G strategy. On May 19, 2020, Health Canada approves human trials of SARS-CoV-2 COVID-19 vaccine without clear evidence that prior animal testing to identify the pot potential risk of pathogenic priming immune enhancement has been conducted. May 21, 2020, four Canadians... Four Canadian infectious disease experts, Neil Rao, Susan Richardson, Martha Fulford, and Dominic Mertz state, the virus is unlikely to d disappear from Canada or the world anytime soon. And it's, it is unlikely that zero infections can be achieved for COVID-19. By May 2020, over 6 million Canadians have applied for unemployment benefits and 7.8 million Canadians require emergency income support from the federal government because of economic shutdowns and closures dictated by COVID measures. By May 2020, estimates of the federal deficit running from their, uh, resulting from their response to SARS-CoV-2 ranges up to $400 billion. This exceeds the Canadian national budget for one year. By April 2021, according to the federal budget released, the national debt has climbed to $1.2 trillion. On May 20th, 2020, Dr. Theresa Tam, Canada's chief medical, uh, Dr. Tranny Tam, Canada's chief medical officer, publicly advised the use of non-medical masks for the general public to provide an added layer of pr protection that could help pr prevent asymptomatic or pre-symptomatic COVID-19 patients from un unknowingly infecting others. Dr. Tranny Tam, ad advice is not supported by scientific evidence. Throughout the pandemic, Bonnie Henry was on record saying masks do not work and also, and was also part of the 2015 nur nurses arbitration as an expert witness reporting the same. <clears throat> on May 21st, 2020, a letter from Mark Lashijian, MD, Deputy Chief a Medical Health Officer with Vancouver Coastal Health states, although children are often at increased risk for viral respiratory illness, that is not the case with COVID-19. Compared to adults, children are less likely, likely to become infected with COVID-19, less likely to develop severe Ill illness as a result of infection, and less likely to transmit the infection to others. Dr. Lecision further states non-medical masks are not needed or recommended. Personal protective equipment such as medical masks and gloves are not recommended in the school environment. On May 22, 2020, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau told reporters that contact tracing needs to be ramped up across the country. Trudeau stated that he strongly recommends provinces use cell phone apps when they become available and that, and that this use would likely be mandated. 
On May 25, 2020, the federal government announced potential criminal code, criminal code provisions, making it a criminal offense to publish misinformation about COVID-19. Misinformation quickly evolves to, to mean as any opinion or statement, even from recognized experts, which contradicts or criticizes measures taken or mandated by the WHO to be implemented globally by national and regional governments. As of June 9, 2020, neither Prime Minister Justin Trudeau nor British Columbia Premier Hogan are willing and in fact refusing to disclose what medical advice and from whom they are acting on. The plaintiff states, and the fact is, that the defendants and their officials were stepping up compulsory face masks in order to maintain a physical and visual tool to maintain panic, fear, and enforce compliance on their baseless measures due to increasing public resistance and of their groundless and false basis. The mask further acts as a visual uh, and present symbol of intimidation and show of who is in power and do not act to medically assist but publicly muzzle, panic, instill fear, and exert compliance to irrational and effect, uh, ineffective COVID-19 measures from the plaintiffs and others. The plaintiff state and the fact is the plaintiff state and the fact is that these measures were upstepped after Cana- after a Canadian survey was released that revealed um, that 50% of Canadians did not believe Justin Trudeau was being honest about COVID measures. B, 16% of of Canadians believe that the COVID measures are being used to effect mandatory, uh, being used to effect mandatory vaccination and contract tracing and other surveillance. 19% of the Canadians do not believe that COVID-19 is no more harmful than the common flu. And 7% of Canadians believe that COVID-19 does not exist at all and is being misused as a pretext for other ulterior motives. On June 3rd, 2020, <clears throat> Federal Minister of Transport Omar Algebra announced that face masks are required by all when taking public transportation in Canada, whether by plane, train, ship, or transit. Uh, between April 1st and June 15th, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association reports approximately 10,000 COVID-related charges were laid across Canada. On June 17th, 2020, Toronto hospitals for sick, sick children consider the world's world's premier children's hospital completed an advisory report publicly released days later to the minister of health and education with respect to recommendations for reopening schools in september 2020 the report was prepared by two experts in virology upon the contribution and review of another 20 experts as well as the sick kids family advisory networks the 11 page report is resound and clear on the facts state Children are extremely low risk when it comes to COVID-19. Schools should repen in a normal setting in September 2020 in Ontario that no masks should be worn by children because of no evidence of effectiveness and in fact masks pose a health risk for children. Social distancing should not be employed and that masks and social distancing pose significant and physical physio- uh, physiological health risks to children. On June 23, 2020, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms calls for, in a 69-page report, an end to the lockdown measures based on an analysis of the lack of medical and scientific evidence for their imposition and the infliction of unwarranted and severe charter violations. On June 26, 2020, Sweden's COVID-19 expert Anders Te- uh, Tegnell blasted the WHO's response to COVID-19 
and state that the wor- and states that the world went crazy and further stingingly criticized the WHO as a misinterpreting as misinterpreting data in branding Sweden as one of the 11 countries who are seeing a resurgence in COVID-19 cases. The plaintiff state and the fact is that Sweden was one of the few countries in the world that did not adopt wholesale the WHO protocol and in fact fared much better than the countries who did, including Canada, in that there was no economic shutdown in Sweden. Dr. Tegnell further stated that the lockdowns fly in the face of what is known about handling viral, viral pandemics. On June 30th, 2020, Ontario Civil Liberties Association called for the extraordinary step uh, calling the public to engage in civil disobedience of the masking bylaws based on the overwhelming scientific and medical evidence that masks are ineffective and pose health risks. As of June 23rd, 2021, it has come to light that a Portugal court ruling revealed that only 0.9% of verified cases died of COVID numbering 152, not the 17,000 deaths that have been claimed. Since the summer of 2020 to the present, the saturated criticism of the COVID-19 measures from the world's scientific, medical, and legal community has been overwhelming, with an avalanche of peer-reviewed studies that indicate that lockdowns do not work, masks do not work, social distancing does not work, as well as public health officers, including Bonnie Henry, warning that the COVID-19 vaccines will not ensure immunity, will further not prevent retransmission of the virus to and from people from people vaccinated. Meanwhile, <clears throat> from the summer of 2020 to present, the avalanche of uh, preponderance of the scientific and medical evidence also clearly demonstrates that the harms, including the death toll from the measures themselves, exponentially far outnumbered the harm and deaths from the virus. The plaintiff state, and the fact is, the lockdowns themselves of schools and businesses to independent business and the community is that their lockdowns are both unnecessary, ineffective, and wholesale destructive. So, as you can tell, um, this is a very thorough lawsuit but i wanted to go through that timeline because there's just so many important uh key takeaways in that timeline and of course you know closing it up with you know the proof that uh these these lockdowns and mask mandates and all this stuff was done uh more more in tune with with control measures uh than actual um pandemic measures which you guys are all aware of but it was well worth uh you know going through this with with you guys because it was just so it's just so cool to see these lawsuits that are that are now in play um that are, that are very good uh very winnable uh to say the very least anyway my friends we have w- run way over um the normal time so what we're going to do is uh say farewell for now so if you want to reach out to me you can find me on facebook uh at canadian patriot radio the message button comes to me so feel free to use it um, you can also use emails, Canadian Patriot Radio at gmail.com. Um, I would pref- or my favorite spot is the Telegram page. I haven't been on there as thick lately just because I've been busy, uh, but there's always people posting very good information on the Telegram page. Make sure you check that out. It's t.me backslash Canadian Patriot Radio. And if uh, you don't want to use any of those avenues, you can visit us on our website at CanadianPatriotRadio.ca. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in again, my friends. And until next time, in all thy sons command.
thanks for joining us for another episode of Canadian Patriot Radio. CPR is not filmed before a live studio audience. If you like the show, friends, make sure you give us a thumbs up and share us on all your social media platforms. Until next time, take care.